morning, church. All you brave souls that ventured out on this cold day. So, for all you Facebookers out there, it was Throwback Thursday, I think. So I said, cool, I'll do a Throwback Sunday. <laughs> so we're going to do some songs today that probably, if you guys have been listening to Christian music for a while, you probably know these are probably the songs you probably first loved and came to know, came to Christ through. So we're going to stand up and worship. In praise and worship. Praise right and worship, him. right? Early praise and worship. Yeah, man. If you don't know this song, you don't own a radio or any other device in your house that listens to music at all. This is one of the original songs that Brian Dirksen wrote way back in the 90s. And he happened to be, he was walking down the street in London and just started hearing this verse, come, come worship, come worship. And that's, that's how he, this song came to light. He came back and wrote this song and it's one of the, the most known anthems in, in Christian praise and worship today. All right, let's go. One, two, three, four. Come, 
just as you are before your God. Go. Come. Whoa. All right. One day. All right, so you know what? The thing about the thing about praise and worship is that it's not always perfect, you know. So uh, it's supposed to be a key change there. That's okay because you know God doesn't really expect us to be perfect. He does. He expects us to be just come and worship Him as we are. So you know we're all imperfect like everybody else. You know we're just we're just here to, to worship God no matter with music, not music. So let's just try one more time. Let's do uh, back to the verse. One, two. Sorrow, I'm trading my shame. 
I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. I'm trading my sickness. I'm trading my pain. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. We say yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. I am pressed but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. I am blessed beyond the curse, for this promise will endure. This joy's gonna be my strength. Though the sorrow may last for the night, the joy comes in. All right, if you have it, let's hear it. I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my shame. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. I'm trading my sickness. I'm trading my pain. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. We say yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. I am pressed but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. I am blessed beyond the curse, for this promise will endure. His joy's gonna be my strength. Though the sorrow may last for the night, this joy comes in the morning. I'm trading my sorrow. I'm trading my shame. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. I'm trading my sickness. I'm trading my pain. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. We say yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. We say yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, amen. We say yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, amen. One more time. We say yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Hey, Fred, you keep that bass line going because I want to do something. I want to go back to the first two verses. And I want to hear if you have, if you're going to trade any of your sorrows. You go, yeah, give a big yell. Sorrows, let's hear it. Shame. All right, you guys got it. Let's go. I'm 
I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my shame. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. I'm trading my sickness. I'm trading my pain. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. All right, let's tell everybody. Say yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. One more time, here we go. We say yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Right, you may be seated. Thank you. All right, good morning. Hope everyone's doing well today. Glad that you're here. It is fall. Summer is totally gone. Um, and so is most of, most of my voice. Okay. Um, all right. Um, we have some prayers. I've got cords going everywhere here. Um, we have some prayer requests today. Uh, first of all, we just want to go ahead and just welcome everybody who's here today. And thank you for being present here. We don't believe God's brought you here by mistake, um, but we believe that you're here for a reason. So um, I want to touch on some announcements before I go ahead and touch on anything else. First of all, again, if you're visiting, welcome. Hopefully you received a card, and you can go ahead and you can um, uh, fill that out, and we have a small gift for you. Thank you for being part of the church today. Um, and just want to hear more about you, uh, about everything. Um, let me see. Uh, teachers, um, for our th- we're having a new three-year-old Sunday school class. So that's good. That means that there's a lot of three-year-olds to go ahead and have in there. Um, they're going to branch them out of the nursery, and they're going to go ahead and have class. If you'd like to help with a three-year-old Sunday school class, by all means, see uh, Debbie D. Virgilio. She has her number that's printed there. Um, one of the things, I heard a lot of, a lot of you guys really like singing and, so, and have some talent. You can sing, tell poetry, do a lot of uh, other things. We're going to have an open mic, open stage night. So if you've always wondered what it's like to stand up here, here's your opportunity. And you can see it'll be on uh, November 21st. And if you have information, you can contact Wayne. Anything else you want to say, Wayne? Yeah, I mean, we're trying to keep it down to like, um, you know, 10 minutes per act, you know, because we have probably an hour and a half, two hours maybe. You know, so, um, you know, just kind of let me know ahead of time so I can get a good idea who's going to do it. Um, Obviously, if you don't have any musical talent you want to sing, hey, I'll play anything. So give me the sheet music. I'm good. Play it with you. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you know, anything that, any kind of dances, we got enough stage here to do that. But anything that requires me to move the stage around, I'm probably going to say nope. <laughs> too, too, much, too much extra time. You can do it in here. That, so anything down here is fine. Up here, singing. Poetry is good. That's good. So anybody want to do something? And then also, if you don't, don't do it, you want to come out and see, go ahead. It'll be good to see everybody. Um, we, we've had, we had a time back um, near one Christmas one time when we had a lot of different talent, and it turned out really well. So we hope you'll come out there for that. Um, believe it or not, 
Haven is going to be in the Northeast Parade on December the, um, 6th. That means, believe it or not, December is going to be here. And um, if you're interested, uh, we, we have a sign-up. Is that right? Is there a sign-up? or Meet in the back of the church, okay? So if you want to meet in the back of the church, that'll be great. Um, Donna, where's Donna? I'm going to ask her to come up. She's going to come up and grab a, a mic. She'll grab this one. Is this one okay here? And she's going to share something. You can see this is about the uh, Thanksgiving food drive, correct? Okay. And she's going to share some of that information. You can see when that is. Here you go, Donna. Okay, it's that time of year again. It's Thanksgiving, and our church is pledging to do 14 boxes to needy people in the Cecil County area. Um, I have passed out three clipboards, and this year we're going to do it by a box. So if so if there's a group of you that like a women's group, a Wednesday prayer group, a young group would like to do one or two boxes, put your name at the top of the box and mark it through. So I know a whole group is doing that box. Um, it's similar to what I've made up over here already. I've done one for the church. You can get a box, decorate it, put a card from your group inside of it with the items in that box um, that would make up a Thanksgiving dinner that would bless them. Remember on the dessert that we're getting this on the 23rd, and then I'll be taking them. They won't get them right away. So what I did in this box is I put a box of brownies for them to make as a family. Um, I know we all love to bake, but unfortunately I don't know that that would last till Thursday for Thanksgiving by the time I deliver it. So keep that in mind when you're doing it. And please pray over their box as you're doing it and putting the things together, because we want to be a blessing to these families this year and really reach out to them and let them know that God cares about them and what's going on in their lives. So thank you. All right. Thanks, Donna. Okay. Um, and then um, you can take a look at some of the other announcements that we have here. Uh, primarily Operation Christmas Child in two weeks. Due in two weeks. Right, Liz? Okay. So um, if you need some more information about that, it's not too late to connect with that. Just right out here. And um, it's, a, it's a great thing. Uh, what is our goal this year? 110, 110 boxes. So um, you can do multiple. I'm, there we go. That's it. See, the boxes up there, so they're very good. All right. Um, I'm going to ask that you stand and greet those people around you, and then I'm going to go to the prayer request in a bit. All right, uh, if everyone will return to their seats. If you return to your seats, we, um, we come to this time where we have our prayer concerns and, um, and joys, and I have just a couple here. Um, if you'll look on the, uh, underneath the sconces in the back, these papers are there. You can fill out. Um, any, if you uh, didn't fill one out here, you can go ahead and fill one out after church, and we'll make sure that Debbie, our um, prayer coordinator, goes ahead and gets, gets that. And also, you can also add them on our web, website as well. So um, the first prayer is from Debbie Chadwick, and her cousin Betty Gray begins infusions Monday for bone marrow cancer. So we want to lift her up in prayers. Trish Moore asked for prayers for financial needs. And Melinda 
um, is praying for all those who are traveling to uh, West Capon Springs, West Virginia for CFO, which it stands for Camps Farthest Out. And they're traveling today. It's a great week of fellowship with God and friends, and they're traveling home Friday. Be praying for them. Also be praying for, I know we have a number from our church that are in the, um, the dance, um, the Maryland dance thing. I forget what it's called. Festival, that's what it is. I, I didn't know. I knew it was a thing. Um, so, but we definitely want to pray for them. And um, anybody else who is in prayer needs with this change of weather and all kinds of other things that are going on. All right? So let's bow our heads and go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just come before you now. We ask for your Holy Spirit to be very powerful in this place. We have a, um, a number of needs and joys in our lives. We thank you for a time that we can just come together. And, um, but most of all, God, we just thank you for who you are. We have people with financial needs, people struggling with, with all kinds of illness and cancer, people who are just dealing with the, um, the, uh, the tragedies and the struggles of life. But most of all, God, we know that you love us you want to connect to us uh, that's the whole history of the gospel of the whole, whole history of the bible is that you made us to have a relationship with you so god here we are today seeking that relationship and i just pray that you'll fill this place with your holy spirit that you'll meet all the needs that we need and and for those that we struggle with god that you'll remind us that your grace is sufficient lord for those traveling we ask for your mercies to be upon them for those who may have taken just a wrong turn and just gotten off track, we ask that you just gently bring them back to you and just restore them. And God, for those of us who are here or for those who may be watching online, I ask for your anointing to just move powerfully in their lives, touch their hearts, touch their lives. And God, in response to that, we have an opportunity to give back to you get back to you in our entire lives and a portion of that is done during this time which we call tithe and offerings God the scripture says you love a cheerful giver and and out of the goodness of and the gratefulness of what you've done that's what this season is about where we, we get to Thanksgiving that God whether we're here today or whether we're at home we can give financially to help meet your needs here and around the world there are so many and God we are we're so incapable of doing it without your Holy Spirit. So send your Holy Spirit upon the gifts and the tithes and upon the giver and the tither. Multiply these gifts here and around the world so we can meet your ministry. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Start where you stand, and never mind the past. Past won't help you in beginning new. If you have left it all behind at last, why, that's enough. You're done with it. You're through. The world won't care about your old defeats. If you can start anew and win success, the future is your time. And time is fleet, and there is much of work and strain and stress. Forget the buried woes and dead despairs. Here is a brand new trial right at hand. The future is for him who does and dares. Start where you stand. I uh, thought it was very fitting the theme is cover up because as cold as it was last night, that's exactly what I wanted to do this morning. Um, why is it when you have that extra, that extra hour of sleep, you're more tired? Have you noticed that? It seems like it happens. Everybody, like when you, re when you remember that it's that extra, that you get that extra hour of sleep because you're setting your clocks back all of a sudden, how many of you do this? Go, oh yes, we get an extra hour of sleep this week. Yes. And you get really excited. And then um, when you get to the point, like it's here and you're filling it with something else. And then by the time you're done, you're just like um, more tired than I was when I started this whole thing. So I, that, that's how I am. So you get a little glimpse into um, life. Um, I'm going to... Uh, we're going to get to the uh, scripture lessons in a bit. I'm going to use them within the um, within this service today, but I just really want to um, take some time. Um, this is this has been an interesting series. I know we're just kind of getting rolling in this series, but it's just been interesting in what God is kind of showing me in some of the stuff. Last week we started talking about uh, that if we could get a do-over in life, um, would we want one? And we talked about it's actually that's the that's the point of the gospel. We actually get a do-over. And so um, last week we, we began talking about this, and this week we're going to continue. Um, so some of the things that we talk about is, what do you do when life's not turning out the way you thought it was? Has anybody ever had a point in your life where life didn't turn out the way you kind of thought it would be? How many of you, everything you wrote down in your senior book came true? <laughs> nah, exactly. Um, what about when God doesn't show up the way you think he should or when you think he should? What about those moments? Have you ever had any of those moments where you think God didn't show up at the right time or maybe not at all? Or what do you do when you're really, really, really hurt by someone and you can't seem to move past it? I dare say everybody has experienced that one, that you've had some hurt in your life that's been given and shared. So last week, as I said, we began this series, Do Over, 
And uh, we're basically just talking to those of us who would like a fresh start, a do-over, or what I almost called this series for you, uh, for you golfers, a mulligan. Um, but I didn't. So we got a do-over. Um, a fresh start is possible, and that's where we want to uh, deal with today. How many of us here seem like sometimes you fall into the same mistakes again and again? It's kind of like, you know, when you walk out in the yard, if you have dogs or pets, you step into some something, some dog do, and you know it's out there because you haven't cleaned it up, but you end up stepping in it again. And there's nothing worse than trying to get dog do out of the tread of your shoes. I don't care how small the tread is, the smaller the worse. And, you know, you got to like blast it out with a high-powered hose or something. Um, and you're, are you, how, how many you take, you know, you could always take somebody's toothbrush in the house, I guess, but no. Sorry, I woke you up there, right? Okay. Um, some of us here may also be people who have struggled with relationships. We tend to go back and forth, and some of it may be that we struggle with relationships, number one, because we just don't want a strong relationship, and others may say that we don't know how, but I believe it's more. Jesus understood our struggles and hurts. He really understood them to an amazing pace. Um, and, and in doing so, he understood that this is really one of the things that we deal with. And as I mentioned last week, I mentioned a statement last week that our past isn't really our past if it's affecting our present. I saw somebody uh, put that back on um, one of the social media sites, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, and Jesus really understood that we struggle. And one of those things about his understanding that we struggle was this. He put it this way. He said, um, and it's right here, right before Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross, right before he's getting ready to take the sin of the world upon him, he decides to make this statement. And the statement that he makes to his disciples is found in John chapter 6, verse 33. And he says something that I'm going to, if I just said this part and left you, you would be very depressed today. And it's something that you're going to go I'm going to say this, you're going to go, duh. And it's simply this. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Or many trials and troubles. How about that? Okay, let's pack up, let's go home. What, what does that leave you with if you hear that? In this world, you will have many troubles and sorrows. But look at the last part of this. But Jesus says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, what I think is interesting about this is when he's talking about trials and troubles or trials and sorrows, he's not talking about that you left your keys, lost your keys. How many of you lose your keys a lot? He's not talking about that. He's not talking about, uh, you know, any other kind of thing that you just, you know, you tripped and, and fell and skinned your knee. He's saying major troubles you will have in life. There are major things. And here's the thing that really is going to mess with your head. He says, in this world, you will have how many? Many. Isn't that exciting? You excited for that? In this world, you are going to have tons and tons of trouble and trials. Hallelujah. Isn't that great? Isn't that a good message? But he says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That's where the hope is in the statement. No matter what happens, no matter all the trials and troubles and struggles we have, when we put it together, Jesus says, on this earth, it's going to be crappy for you. But I've overcome all that mess. 
I'm greater than all this mess. In other words, you're going to have trouble, but I'm hope. What does this mean? Look around the room. Go ahead. Don't just gander at me. Look around the room. Take a look. Look all the sides. Take a look. Take a look at the people who are here. Look at them. If you're at home, look at the people that you're there with. If they're asleep, go look at them. Everybody that you just looked at has many trials and troubles. Every single person that you're looking at has a lot of them. Here's the thing, though. Most of you would never know it unless you're one of those people who regurgitates your problems on everybody. And you know what I mean. But everybody here has trials and troubles, major ones, many of them. But we're all really good actors, aren't we? For instance, you may look around this room and think you're the only one that your spouse doesn't listen to. See, there's more. You may look around this room and think you are the only person who's ever struggled with your teen children. You may look around this room and think you're the only person who is stuck in your dead-end job or just had enough of it. You may look around this room and initially think that you are the only person dealing with a heart issue or dealing with cancer. You may look around this room and think you are the only person that has dealt with a loss in this last year of someone you love dearly. You may look around this room and think you're the only person that addiction is affecting their family and their lives. You may look around this room and think you are the only person that has ever had to fight weight problems. You may look around this room and think you're the only person who has heart issues. And you may be the only person who thinks that your family is falling apart and you don't know what to do with it. But guess what? Jesus says, join the club. Because in this world, you're going to have lots of problems. Jesus says you're going to have problems, but guess what? There's hope. I've got your back. I've got your back. There are, in other words, there's trials, but you can still have joy. Now, I want to ask you, I'm going to ask two questions today in today's service that I don't have in the bulletin, but I want you to ask yourself, and I really want you to, to really examine yourself and, and think of this. Do you really want your life to change, or do you just want it to appear that way? That's a tough question, isn't it? Do you really want a change in your life, or do you want others to just think it's changed and have the same stuff? Because as I look and I see, that's part of the acting job. It seems like so many of us have more of a desire to hide or cover up our mess and our troubles rather than being committed to changing our situation. Because when we're really committed to changing it, it's effort, it's work, it's commitment. It seems to us that it's easier to cover up. It's, but when we cover up, it ends up creating more problems because then we become liars, then we begin to deny, then we keep secrets. And what will happen, and I'll give you a good example, we'll come in and we'll go, hey, how are you? And we'll go, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah, everything's good. Yeah, you? Yeah, see, I, I got my new suit. I look good, don't I? Yeah. But meanwhile, inside, you're a wreck 
because of all that stuff you've been covering up in your life. We say we're fine, but honestly, we're lonely, we're hurting, we're confused, we're broken. So we end up hopping from book to book, from seminar to seminar, from person to person, and sometimes what, the other thing that we like to do is to hop from church to church. Because I've seen people, when they get close to a breakthrough with people, they end up saying, that's getting too close, and they go and they hide some more. Right when you get down to a point of the nitty gritty. But I don't believe, and I know that Jesus doesn't want us to cover up. He wants to give us a do-over. He wants us to be able to have a change in our life. And so many of us, the reason why we hop around so much is we're looking for that magic key that makes the goal to life, just everything fall into place. So in this series, you can get a do-over. You can change the life you've been living. But you need to ask yourself, am I really committed to this? And so in your bulletin, if you'll join with me, I'm going to give you the first step this week. The first step to making this change, and I've already mentioned it, but it's this. Stop covering up. Stop covering up. You know, something that's really interesting because little kids do this at a young age and we perfect it by the time we're older. Like little kids, if they steal something, like a cookie, and they put it in their mouth and eat it, you'll say, did you take the cookie? And they've got the crumbs all over their mouth. And what do they say? Mm -mm. Nope. Mm -mm. Cookie monster? I don't know. Or they'll point to their sibling. You know, that kind of stuff. They learn that. We get better, but we also get worse because it affects us more. Say, how's your marriage? Oh, it's great. It's great. It's great. It's great. It's great. How's your, how's your health? Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I'm doing well. Okay. We, we cover up. Hey, how's, your, how's the new job? It's good. We cover up those things and we perfect that because when we open that up, we're vulnerable. And you know, a lot of times when we're vulnerable, we get hurt, don't we? And we don't like to be hurt. Anybody here like to be hurt? No. So this first step, stop covering up. It's not about denying our problems. Jesus told us we're going to have them. So look at the person next to you and say, you got problems. And turn to the next person and say, so do you. Isn't it good to know you came to church? Hey, hey, you guys at home or traveling, you got problems. That's why you're not here. You got problems. So I'm going to talk about one of the most problematic people in the Bible today. His name is David. One of my favorite people. One of the, a person who was said to have a heart of God, but yet, and did some awesome, incredible things. He had some powerful moments. We all look back at him as a boy going out against Goliath. We look at the battles that he fought, the things that he did. In his life, he did great things. But guess what? Jesus would have been speaking to him and said, in this world, David, you got problems. You got troubles. And so let's, let's look at a little bit of David. David did some great, great things. But guess what else he did? He actively adultered to the point that he brought her husband home from the war who was serving for him. And what did he do? He tried to get him to go home because she was pregnant, tried to get the husband to go home so he could pass it off on them. Doesn't it sound like a Maury Povich show? <laughs> he wouldn't go home because he said, how can I go home and enjoy time with my wife when others are fighting out there? So you know what David did? He realized he wouldn't go, so he sent him on the front line so he would be killed. 
when he was killed, and David brought her in as his wife. Sound like a man after God's own heart, right? No, David had problems. He tried to cover it up, too. Tried to cover it up until he went before a prophet. prophet told him a story about a, a man who had a whole bunch of sheep, and this other man came to stay with him, and he had this little lamb that he loved with all his heart. He had one little lamb, and then when it came time for dinner, they took that man's little lamb and cooked it up. David was infuriated. He was furious. He was like, where's that man? He should be killed. He should be this. And Nathan turns to him and says, you're that man. He said, uh-oh, somebody found out. You are the father, David, just like on more poets, right? Yeah, no, he was. <laughs> so what happened to David was all that covering up led to one lie after another after another, and his life became miserable. And one of the tragic stories of David's life, he, he, he did some amazing things, but one of the tragic stories of his life is his family was a complete wreck. His one son actually tried to kill him. His daughter was raped by another son. It was a mess because David forgot the first thing being the first thing. Yet in the midst of all this, David discovers a great gift of a do-over by being honest with God or what we might call confession. And in order to do that, I want to go to Psalm 32 today. And so I have them printed up in uh, your bulletins, but we're going to go to Psalm 32, 1 and 2. I'm going to read that for you at the beginning, and then we're going to get into something. Look at what it says. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out to sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives have been complete, in complete honesty. What is David talking about here? He's talking about confession, and one of the things I want to share with you is confession is not a fun thing. And so we want to ask this, why do I need to confess? Why do you need to confess to God? Matter of fact, he's God. He already knows what's going on. So why do I need to confess? Well, first of all is this that we learn from David. Confession is for our sake, not for God's sake. Confession is for God's sake. You're right. God does not need to know. He already knows. So what do we mean by this? Look at this first verse of scripture that's written here. He says in Psalm 32, 1, what joy for those who disobedience is forgiven. What joy. It is doing it for you. You are confessing so that you get the forgiveness. There are a lot of blessings David could have mentioned because he had a lot of them. He could have said, Oh, what joy it is for those who are wealthy. Oh, what joy for those who have little problems in the world. But he says, if you really, really, really in your life want a great blessing, you must confess before God to get the forgiveness that God wants to bring to you. Confession brings forgiveness. And that is the first key element here. Confession is for our sake. We get forgiveness from God by our actions. Number two, confession is not doing something about my sin. Confession is admitting I can't do anything about my sin. You see, covering up tells us that we can manage this. If we're dealing with an issue that we know is a struggle in our lives, we're good at covering it up. We try to. 
But when we have to get honest before God and say, God, this is what's going on in my life. I blew it. I, me- I messed up. There's nothing, and when you say that, you say, God, there's nothing I can do about this situation. There's nothing I can do about this sinful nature of mine. I can't do anything. I've tried to cover it. I've tried to deal with it. I've messed up. I can't take my mistakes, my hurts. David tried and it doesn't work. Look at what he says in verse 32.3. This is his story of covering up. When I refused to confess my sin, anybody refused? My body did what? Wasted away and I groaned all day long. Does that sound like somebody who's got it all together? That's a king? That's a man after God's own heart? This was eating him alive. Here he is sitting here, and his body's wasting away, and he's groaning. Anybody ever been anybody who you're dealing with something, and it just seems to consume your entire mind? You know that you've got something there that you have to deal with, it, but it's got your whole entire mind, your whole entire life, your whole entire body, and all you do is go. And you worry, and you stress, and you stress and you worry. What was David? David was, in a sense, absolutely miserable, and probably pretty miserable about being around. He says, when I was keeping it and hiding it, not talking it out, it was destroying me, absolutely destroying me. So we've got those first two, confessions for our sake, not God's, and it's about saying, I can't do anything about my sin. The third thing is, refusing to confess causes me to shrink up and die inside. Isn't that what he said there? If we continue in verse 4, he said, uh, if we continue in uh, verse 4, he says, day and night your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. He didn't even get sleep at night. That's how bad this is, this is eating him alive. So many of us can relate to this. We're trying to keep something silent, family problems and issues, compulsions, addictions. And what we find is that silence leads to more and more pain. I think it's interesting that in the history of psychology, one of the things that they learned is that people got better just by having someone to let it out to, just by free thinking and letting someone to go ahead and just share. And isn't that what Jesus told us in the first place? Confess your sins before me. Confess to me. Share what's on your heart. Share what's there. I think that's the main reason why Jesus never sent anybody out alone. I think one of the big things that we miss out on in the Christian fellowship today is we've focused so much on individuality in Christian relationship. Me and Jesus walking along the road, um, just uh, and he walks with me and talks to me, all those great hymns. We talk about Jesus, you getting saved. We forget the part of working out your salvation that we need each other. So look at the person next to you and say, you got problems, but I need you. Look at the next person. You got problems, but I need you. (laughs) We need each other. And as much of a mess as we are, as much of a mess as you look around this room and see the people, as much of a mess this is, we need each other to get through these struggles and trials that Jesus promised us that we would have. So question two. Remember I asked you question one? What was question one? Let me see if you remember. 
do I really want to change? Question two. What about when people hurt me or circumstances that happen that I have no control over? Do I need to confess them? What about when people hurt me? Confession is about being open and honest with God. With everything. Your hurts, your pains, your feels, your feelings, your fears. It's all just about talking with God and sharing with Him what's going on. So often many of us don't want to share with God where we've been hurt by somebody. But I can tell you one of the things I've seen in my life and I've experienced firsthand is the words, the thoughts, the actions of individuals affect me a heck of a lot more than my own personal mess. And when that happens at times, it is gut-wrenching and you don't feel like you have anybody else to turn to because if you do, they may hurt you as well, right? And you end up in this vicious circle of being alone and not sharing with someone and it leaves you empty. There are so many people, particularly as adults, that think that we shouldn't hurt anymore or shouldn't have hurts because we are adults. That we'd be stronger if we didn't have hurts or if we didn't act as if we were hurt. Some are hurt so deeply in so many ways that you try to live around it. Anybody ever tried to live around a hurt? It's here and you, you get close to something and you say, no, I can't, can't go there. You walk around here and you're like, okay, I'm going to go all the way over here. And when you do, you realize the hurt is right near you still. So you try to get around it again. And then you look and you go to the store. You walk across the store and you go to the next aisle and you see one of those people who brings that hurt to the surface. And when you see that hurt, that's what you see in that person, all that hurt. And your mind's going a million miles a minute and you feel that gut-wrenching part in your, in your soul. You know what I mean? Anybody get that? It's like right here, and you don't know what to do with it. And so you're sitting here, so you quickly dart to the other aisle. Or worse, if they see you and lock eyes, you go, hi, how are you? Oh, good. Me too. Yeah, good seeing you. And you're like, you know, you have all that there. But meanwhile, you can't live around it because it's there with you. Remember what I said last week? I'm going to say it again. Your past is not really your past if it's still impacting your present. And that is one of those statements that just speaks to me more than I think anything I've thought of in a long while. That how, you're, how I can't say something is really my past if it's affecting my now. And so in looking at that, we've got to unpack that. We've got to share these things with the Lord and have Him deal with it. Rather than becoming honest and coming clean, you start to lie to people that you trust, ones that you love and care about. You start to withdraw from people. How many of you are good withdrawlers? Like you're hurting, you just suck back in the hole. Don't want to talk to many. Right there, I'm hiding. I'm, I'm good at that. Somebody reaches out to you on social media. They, now you hate that little button that says seen at so-and-so because you know they saw you and you're like... How do I avoid this one? Then you did it. Oh, somebody else must have been on my computer. Yeah, that's the ticket. Um, or they start to call and you thank God for call waiting. And then they do like I do at times, use another number that they don't have. And you call and you go, 
you, you know, the, I, I'm going to give away my secret. At times, I have different numbers, and I call, and I've had people literally that are dealing with the struggle. That I know they're struggling, and they'll avoid the call that comes up, Jack. But then I have this other one that comes up, and they'll go, hello. And I'll say, hey, it's Jack. And you can hear like, oh, you know. <laughs> you fill in your blank after that, you know. I mean, it's just going to, like, hey. And I just called five minutes previous, and they're like, oh, crap. You know, I mean, it, other things they probably said. Um, but, you know, I, I'm just one that believes when God puts somebody on my, in my mind or in my heart that, guess what, I'm going to do whatever I can to get to them. Because that means he needs, they're struggling and God needs something from them. So you may get me bombarding you in a billion different ways. But, and you know what? I know you hate it because I do too. But we need each other. And so that's what God wants us to do. And so as we look at this, or else we'll go, we'll get very, here's the other thing I like, we get very judgmental, uh, judgmental and critical. Like instead of, instead of, uh, you, not only do we shut people out, but then we start saying, they think they're a Christian. Let me tell you about them. We pull something, we got something like in our pocket, like from a year, eight years ago, and we're like, back in 1933, wham, you know, I went to school with that person, let me tell you, they did this, bam, here you go. And we like to remind people of where they are, so we can, where they were, so we can bring back their hurts, so that they can equally be as hurt as we are, because we think we're the only person that's hurting, but they may be broken right now, and so then we end up going ahead and throwing out six shooters everywhere of stuff of our past, rather than recognizing who we are in our present and future through Jesus Christ. And that's where we miss the point. Because Satan would love nothing better to do than divide the body of Christ and divide people who are supposed to love each other. And so confession rids that. We don't say we're fine. And, and you know, one of the first processes in all this is we learn to deceive ourselves. We are really good at tricking ourselves when we say, nope, don't have a problem, I'm good. And then we perpetuate that lie to everybody else. Sometimes the best thing you can do, you know, I was thinking about this. My kids, when they're hurt, like if they're really hurt, don't come to me and go, I'm fine, dad. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's all good. I'm fine. Until they get older. When they're little, they fall, they get hurt. Wah! They scream. Die! I'm like, what? 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 I get, they get my attention. I run. I look. I see. I'm the one who goes, it's only a scratch. But what I realize is they're shouting out to me because they're hurting at the time. And when they're hurting at the time, they get their daddy's attention. So what confession does is when you're hurting, scream out to God. You'll get your daddy's attention. And isn't that what you need? Yes, you do. Because your daddy comes right away. He doesn't wait. It may not seem like he's right there, but he will with the cry of his, his children. You know, and when we look at this, then we go ahead and then we try to tell everybody else. I've seen people, I saw a guy who in football a couple years ago, his pinky popped out of joint and was this way. And he was yelling. And he's like, I'm fine. I said, for what, going around the corner? I mean, what? Get over here. And he's like, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I'm like, no, you're not, you're not, and you're not. Let's go. And you have to convince them because along the line, we've shown, we've, we've convey in our society that to be hurt is a weakness. To be a hurt is what Jesus promised humans do. Let me ask you a question. Who has never been hurt in here? Raise your hand. Case rests. Who's tired of being hurt in here? Everybody raise your hand. But guess what? Jesus says, 
You're going to be hurt, but guess what? I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. You know, you know it's, it's interesting in life. Number four, to really get a do-over, I need to be honest with God and myself. I need to be honest with God and myself. While we're deceiving ourselves and trying to convince others, we've got to really be honest with ourselves and God. There are secrets that are killing you, past, present, it could be impulses now, anger, marriage issues, work problems, it could be financial. If you keep covering up these things, these secrets are going to tear you up and never going to heal. David said he tried to cover up and it just zapped all his strength. It wasn't until he was brutally honest with God and knew he needed to come before God that it really got clear. Remember the verses I talked about, how day and night he was just wasting away and groaning and miserable? Verse 5, he says, Finally, finally, I confess my sin to you and stop trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. This is the only part in this section that has an exclamation point. He said, I can finally confess my sin to you. Stop covering up and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Does that sound like somebody who's free? You betcha it does. Did he do some bad stuff? Yes, he did. Stuff worse than I do. But he was freed because he confessed before God. Finally. And in verse 32, he said, I don't have to keep covering up and hiding because look at this. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with the songs of victory. I had an interesting thing happen this week. Um, I, I went down to meet with a, a friend of mine um, for the, his uh, mother-in-law's funeral and, and her mother's funeral. And it was down toward Towson. I went down there. And as I was coming back, I was coming back late at night, about quarter, ten, uh, quarter of 11. Um, and I was coming back on Tuesday night. And I'm riding down the road, and all of a sudden this motorcycle goes by. I mean, there's not many on the road then. And I'm coming right just, uh, just south of uh, the 24 Bel Air exit. So I'm going, and all of a sudden, I heard this motorcycle go by, and they kind of, you know, and then I started hearing this, I was like, what's that? So I sped up, and I realized it was making the sound louder. And I slowed down, I looked, and my tire said zero. So I was like, oh, this stinks. I said some other things in my mind, but that's what I said to you. Um, and I pulled over, and... I got all the way over that I could, and I realized I know how to change a tire. How many of you know how to change a tire? Who does not? Learn. All right. How many can change a tire in the dark? How many can change a tire in the dark with on I-95? Right here. Um, so I'm sitting there. I go ahead, and I just... Um, I made, made some calls just in case I got hit that people know that was me on the front of a car, a truck. Um, so I'm out there, and it's interesting because there's like a little curve right near there. So you're down here, you're changing it, and you see a truck, and then you go over here like this. Then you go back, change another lug nut. You're down here. Uh, this one's not too close, so I can go that. And you have like a little, you have your phone flashlight, and you're going like this so people know you're there. 
and you're hoping that it's not going to draw them in like a, like a bat, and, you know, right to you. So I'm, I'm changing this thing. I get this done. Um, then I go ahead. I, it, my spare's up underneath. One of those ones, you got to lay down. You got to pull up, you gotta drop down. You got it down. I get it on. I put it on. And when I put it on, I lower it, and it's flat. I said, thank you, Jesus. I really didn't say that. But um, so now I'm like, Okay, but I have a pump in the back because I'm a smart person. So I have a pump. I put it in there, hook it on, but I'm doing that also while dodging cars. And I am less than thrilled at this moment because like, it like, took like a, an hour on 995 with cars, and it was less than exciting. I was a little perturbed. And um, it was just kind of one of those weeks. And I'm like, and I'm looking at the tire, and I'm thinking, this is a new tire. I just bought tires in July. And anybody bought tires? Not cheap, just to let you know particularly for an 18-inch wheel, so it's not good. Um, So anyway, I bought this, I put it on, and I'm looking for the hole, and I'm thinking, well, maybe it was defective so it would be covered. Keep thinking that way, right, Jack? And so finally I took it back to the place, and I looked, they pump it up, and somehow I got a nail in the side wall of my tire that broke it. So guess what I got to do? Buy a new tire. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know what I mean? And I'm like, really? Are you kidding? It's like one of those things. So, you know, this is a little thing. It could have been a big thing if I got hit by a car while I was changing and they didn't see me. But as I was looking at this and preparing for the service, these are little trials. I think sometimes God allows those just to see how we react. And I did pretty well. I wasn't too bad. But particularly when they told me how much the tire was, I, I, I did pretty well there too. Um, but I realized that there are so many people that are like, that's how their lives are. They're riding down the road on flats. And they're trying to change tires in the middle of the dark of their lives. But some of them are just kind of saying, no, 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 I don't have a flat tire. Because that's the first thing you do. I don't have a flat tire. I'm good. I just bought these things. Oh, it's, it has to be a defective tire because that thing costs $250 to replace. So yeah, we're just going to keep on going. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, it's going to pump itself back up. And then when you look at this, you realize you're going to have issues in life. And if we keep trying to hide these issues, we're never going to get set free or forgiven. I want to finish with this one little section about how confession brings change. And I want to share with you a story and an account from... A story, I'm going to read it first. It's about a, a guy who comes to Jesus, and he has leprosy. Now, back in Jesus' time, there, to have leprosy was like having Ebola now. The way they treated people with Ebola is how they treated lepers, and worse. They actually just threw them in a colony and said, go. And there's, there's a book that we were talking about last week, Let Hope In. The, um, the writer, Pete Wilson kind of theorizes, well, maybe this is how this man felt. And he said, there's only one condition or sin I can think of during Jesus' time that was treated like such social outcasts as, uh, as people are today, and that would be leprosy. It says there was a man living with leprosy during the time of Jesus. We can imagine that one day he was plowing in the field and he noticed a little white spot on his hand. Concerned but not overly alarmed that night at dinner, he showed his wife the spot. She gently told him they should probably keep an eye on it. By this point, there were actually several white spots, and his kids teased him about what it might be. 
Over the next couple of days, the spots continued to multiply, and now these white spots became nodules, which began to ooze fluid. Now his wife was concerned, and she begged him to go see the priest, because the priest in those days was like the local health authority. As the law required, the priest told him that he would have to be quarantined for 14 days, because that's what they do. They put you away for two weeks. So two weeks of waiting and wondering what it might be. I'm sure there were times he wondered if, he could, if it could be the dreaded leprosy. But I bet he begged God and said, God, if it is, just take this away. At the end of the two weeks, the priest broke the bad news. You have leprosy and you're going to die because he's going to die many ways. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to be banished and separated with others like yourself. And he said, wait a second. I need to go say goodbye to my wife. And no, that's not possible. You can never go near her or your family again. Not just one hug from my little girl. No, no, no. No, you can't go. You cannot touch a clean person. You're contagious. And so that day, what would happen as being a leper, you would go through your, your life, and anytime you were around people, if I was in his room and I was a leper, I would have to yell, unclean, unclean, so you could all move. Can you imagine going through your life, every day of life, anytime you were around anybody, you had to yell, unclean? Because it was against the law. If you touched a clean person, you would immediately be put to death. I imagine when it first started out, he began to watch his children from a distance. They approached safely with a few hundred feet, and they would wave at him, leaving him food and messages. Perhaps a note from his daughter said, Daddy, we love you and miss you. I want to give you a hug more than anything in the world. I'm being a good girl, I promise. Please don't forget me. Soon the sores covered his whole body, became ulcerated, and began to bleed. Then the flesh started falling off his body, sometimes in large portions, Fingers and toes first, perhaps an ear or part of a nose. Not even, only his, not even his family couldn't even stand the sight of him. It was too much, so the distant visits, the meals, the cards became fewer and fewer and further between. At night when he tried to sleep, the rats came to eat off his flesh. His voice became raspy and his breath wheezy. And then he knew there wasn't much longer for him. Death was inevitable. But one day, this man with leprosy did something completely unexpected. Something no other leper would ever do. Maybe it was out of desperation. Maybe he couldn't stand the sight or the idea of not ever seeing his family again. Maybe he had a tremendous faith or thought he had nothing to lose. But regardless for this reason, one day he left the leper colony where he was living, exiled, to find this man named Jesus who he had heard was doing amazing things. Can you imagine as he approached Jesus, here is this man, he would have to say, unclean, unclean, unclean. But he didn't this time. We have no account of him saying that. As a matter of fact, in the scripture that I have for you, in one of those villages, Jesus met a man with advanced case of leprosy. When the man saw Jesus, he bowed his face to the ground and begged him to be healed. Lord, he said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. And Jesus did something that I find is absolutely amazing. It says Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. Now I find that weird because Jesus is King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He's God. He could have healed him first. But Jesus broke down every barrier when this man cried out and said, Jesus, help me. It says Jesus did what? He touched him. He touched him with his hand and said, I am willing. And immediately he was clean. 
Jesus touched the untouchable. And many in this room or watching online may feel like you are that man. Because of your sin and all the stuff you've been covering up your whole life, or maybe just recently, you feel unclean. And you feel, why would God ever want to do anything with me? Why would he ever want to come close to me? Some of you may be, have your own leprosy, something you did or caused, an addiction, a shame, a struggle with your children, with a marriage, whatever it may be. Hear this, Jesus is always willing to reach out and touch you and heal you and make you clean. So many in your life will tell you there's no hope. But remember what the verse I used last week from Matthew 19. Humanly speaking, it's impossible. But Jesus says, with God, everything is possible. Sometimes we spend our lives living as if we don't know that we need Jesus. We live day in and day out. He knows what happened to you in your life, and he patiently waits for you to come and just be brutally honest with him. I've got two blanks for you to fill in as we finish this service today at the bottom. Jesus helped me is one of the most honest things someone can ever say. Jesus helped me. Tell him you're unclean. Tell him you need help, and let Jesus set you free. And the second thing is, as our praise team comes forward today, You don't even know you need Jesus until you're willing to be honest about your life. It's when you're willing to admit that you're not okay. It's when you're willing to just ask him for help. When you say, Jesus, please help me. Then your situation will change. Now, we're going to conclude this service today, and I want you to just stand where you are right now. I'm going to do it a little bit differently, though. I'm going to, I am going to ask our, um, our prayer warriors, our, um, the three of them, to come up. And everybody, a lot of people are prayer warriors here. I want them to come up where they are, but I want to do this a little bit differently. They're going to sing um, the heart of worship. We're going to sing the heart of worship. And in that first verse, as the lights are, are off, in here I want you to just listen and take some time to be really brutally honest with God I want you to tell him that your hurts I want you to tell him where you've lost it and you've broken it I want you to tell him where you failed I want you to tell him where you doubted him I want you to tell him where you turned away from him I want you to tell him when you sat and you talked about people that you shouldn't have I want you to tell him when people talked about you and broke your heart. All that kind of stuff, I want you to just talk to him about and listen with him about. And then, during the next verse, I want you to just be led by God to either come up front with one of these three and just let him know, I need you to help me through this. I know you got problems, I got problems, but hey, you don't have to share with them the problem. You can just tell them, I had a good discussion with God and I want to get clean. And just let them pray with you. Or if you don't feel like coming all the way up or unable to come all the way up, you've got a lot of people around you. You just told them that they got problems and they're still sitting there next to you. So go ahead and just pray with the person next to you. 
Use this as a time for the Holy Spirit to move in a powerful way. I'm going to lead us in prayer at this point right now. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, you have overcome our hurts and our troubles. So I ask that we can really gain some courage right now to be brutally honest with you. And that starts with being brutally honest with ourselves. That we're willing to talk about the broken hearts and the pain we feel and to just say, Jesus, help me. As we do, God, let people know that you are willing to heal, touch, and cleanse our broken hearts. Because you have overcome the world, the troubles, the hurts, and the trials today. So we may be different and do your work in us, Lord. We pray that your Holy Spirit be available and move in us. And for some of us, God, we've never, ever, ever been able to get over ourselves enough to say, I need help. I need a Savior. I need somebody who is the Lord of my life. Somebody who's going to correct this mess. Somebody who's going to come in and step in and do something new. Somebody who's going to pull the, help the covers come off of what I've been covering up and not gas at them, but take them upon themselves and forgive me. We got a lot of people who are like David here just trying to cover up and cover up and cover up. And main thing, we're trying to cover up the sin in our lives and that we can do this on our own. But we've got troubles and we need you. And if you feel that way, just say, Lord, I want to get honest that I need you. For the first time in my life, I want to accept what you've done on the cross, how you were beaten and bruised and died and rose again. And I believe you are who you say you are. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life and guide this life. It is yours. And I'll accept that clean new life in Christ. In Jesus' name. If you said those prayers or any one of them or you feel like you're going to get honest with God, just raise your hand right now and use that. Amen. Thank you. Amen.
begin to pray with people if you want to come forward. Just reach out and grab some somebody and just put your hand on them. And um, and I just want you to close your eyes. You, don't, you may not know what the struggle is, but we all got them, right? We all have them. And so at, I'm going to ask them just to sing that first verse again. Um, I mean, the, the chorus again. So just kind of sing that song and just everybody sing together. If you feel that, to just pray with somebody. Just go ahead. So and just let us come back to the heart of worship, which is confession, just lifting it up in front of God. I know there's people hurting here. I know there's brokenness. And just let's lift it up before the Lord here together. It's all about you. 
I can feel the brokenness. I can feel the, the cover-up. And, and just like when I'm a kid and I don't want to get out of bed and it's time to get up and trying to pull the sheets off of this cover, the cover's off of that, I'm holding on. And God, just help us let, just let go and reach out and say, help me, Jesus. And God, just let people get whole and clean and free as David and that leper were. Just experience your life. And so, Lord God, as we go from here today, I ask for your Holy Spirit to be on every one of the people here and those watching, that you'll return us to your heart, the heart of worship and confession. In your name we pray. Amen. Next week, come back for week three. We're going to talk about a do-over when we talk about restoration and restoring. Have an awesome week in Jesus. We love you. Amen.